Tonight we've been presenting through both song and video presentation the story of Jesus. And I know many of us are very familiar with the Christmas story. We know this we know that 2000 years ago shepherds were in a field by night. And an angel came to them and said, "A child is born, the savior of the world, and he's born in a manger." And they raced to Bethlehem to find that child. And then we read in Matthew's gospel, he gives us a little different portrait. These are time sequenced and a little bit different. Magi from the east who had seen the star, had traveled, and saw the star that was a birth of a king, the king of the Jews. And they came to, obviously, the palace in Jerusalem and thought that they would meet him there, but he was not there. And eventually, scribes were called, and they were brought to the little town of Bethlehem. And so they went, and as we've read and we heard tonight that the star shone over a house, and there they saw the child, and they paid homage to him. But the Gospel of Mark does not go into those early beginnings. Rather, Mark's focus is on a preparation for the people to receive this Messiah, And I want us to direct our thoughts that way and not just leave us in the past, but also bring us into the present so that you and I are prepared to actually meet this Jesus that came 2,000 years ago. Because the reality is he came to die, but he rose again. He came to die for our sins, but because of that, he conquered sin and death, and he's coming back again. And I think it's important that you and I just don't continually refresh our minds over the historical past, but actually live in the moment and move with preparation towards the future. So I'd like to look at some verses in the Gospel of Mark. And Mark says it this way, in the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Though Jesus arrived in absolute obscurity, we see that in the story, born in a stable, eventually his ministry ended in apparent shame. The majority of the Jewish people at that time did not recognize him as their Messiah, but some did. And eventually, you know, as far as they were concerned, the story was over. But yet the church flourished. You know, 50 days after his death and resurrection, there was an explosion in Jerusalem as the Spirit of God descended and thousands came to faith in Jesus as their Messiah. Jesus came over 2,000 years ago as foretold by prophets, and they are still communicating to us today. And in the larger scheme of things, it doesn't matter how much how we are prepared for this Christmas season. What really matters is, are we prepared for the next major event in the historical calendar, and that's Christ's coming? Are we ready for this arrival into our world today? Do we really understand, as I said earlier, why he really came? And Mark says it this way, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so Jesus came and died for our sins. Now he's coming back again, not so much to do something like that, but to come and take us unto himself. And so Jesus, in, in, in uh, communicating about his second return, which is one of the great themes of the entire Bible, Luke says it this way in chapter 21, at that time they will see the Son of Man 
coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then he says this a little further on. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. In other words, this is what we need to be understanding at this current moment of time. That life itself easily slips into some of these three areas. And I want to take a look uh, a little bit here at what we have to do in order to be prepared for Christ's coming. He says in verse 35, For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you'll be able to escape all that is about to happen so that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So I want to look at two things to prepare us for Christ's coming. First of all, the word I want to leave in our mind is the word vigilance. There needs to be an alertness, an awareness of this happening. It means that we're prepared. And in Luke's gospel, Jesus had warned us of three seductive elements of life that actually diminish our expectation and leave us in a state of unbelief. And the first one we're told is not to squander our lives in dissipation. And some of you are wondering, what's that really mean? Well, to live a dissipated life means that we're squandering it on frivolous pursuits and activities. And a lot of people are wasting their lives. Jesus warns against such a life. William Law says this, if you attempt to talk to a dying man about sports or business, he is no longer interested. How many know that's true? He now sees other things as more important. People who are dying recognize what we often forget, that we're all standing on the brink of another world. We're all standing on a precipice called eternity. The second seductive element is drunkenness. Now, I think we think of that where we automatically think of alcoholic consumption. But I I think this includes other type of chemical addictions. But it means even more than that. And James Houston says addictions mean being so completely possessed that one is enslaved and deprived of inner freedom and ultimately of personal integrity. It is the ghastly process of losing one's soul. And so we can become addicted with work, all kinds of other things in our lives. And it leaves us at a loss of who we truly are as human beings. And the last element that seduces our soul, Jesus called the anxieties of life. And what he meant by that was all the things that consume our mental thought and many times with deep anxieties within it. And we use another word, maybe a more familiar word, is being worried about all the things that are happening in our life. It was Francis Felanon that says, don't worry about the future. Worry quenches the work of grace within you. The future does belong to God, and he is in charge of all things, and we don't need to second-guess him. We can become so consumed with this life and all of its cares and difficulties that these pressures begin to determine our mental well-being. Probably one of the best ways to retain equilibrium in this life is to have our focus set for the life to come. And when we are prepared for the future, the ultimate future, this life loses what I would call its demonically terrifying stranglehold on our soul. We are now free to choose and to trust God with our whole heart. But let me move on to the second thing that prepares for Christ coming again. First of all, we have to be aware it's going to happen, right? That makes sense. If you don't know that's going to happen, you won't prepare for it. Number two, that you and I need to be in communication with God. We call that prayer. 
So Jesus tells us to pray in order to escape the difficulties and the challenges that this life does bring to us. And as the day approaches, Jesus uh, was basically preparing his disciples about his coming back again. And he said in chapter 21 and verse 36, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And so then he goes on and talks about um, two specific concerns we need to pray about. And the first one is that we could be escaping future deception. You know, we can be easily faked out. We can be easily fooled. And it leaves us away from a real confident trust in Christ. In Luke chapter 21, verse 8, he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived. There will be many coming in my name saying, I am he. And, and, and also the time is drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. So that's one thing he's telling us to pray about. What's he saying to us there? He's, he's saying, listen, don't be fooled by a lot of things. These things are going to happen that we're seeing. And we see them all the time. And many times we don't think about them. We don't put the whole story together. But when we look around the globe and we watch the news, we begin to see how often tragedy and catastrophe are happening in our world. And it's happening all the time. The second thing we need to pray is that we'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. In other words... We will not be ashamed on that day when we stand before Almighty God. We'll be standing before the one who created us and the one who laid down his life for us. And I I just did a series of messages on the book of Revelation. I said, it's interesting. One day we're going to stand before God's throne. And the person that's sitting on the throne is the person of Christ. And we'll either see him as Savior or we'll see him as a judge. And it just depends where we're coming from. You know, we need to prepare our hearts But I want to close with a poem that was written years ago, and it's loosely based on the night before Christmas, and it's entitled, The Night Before Jesus Came. "'Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hope that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressed to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And mom in her rocker with baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. What one took my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. And with a light like a sun sending forth a bright day, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face may be covering my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he had said. And though I possess worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name. But when he said, it's not here, my head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love he gathered to take to his Father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long, and this sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. 
You know, there's something profound about that little poem, that you and I need to live in a state of awareness and readiness. But when we're in a right relationship with Christ, we don't have to fear. You see, we're living for him, we're trusting in him, and if he comes, no big thing. But if we're living a careless life that's full of the things that Jesus warned us against, it can, it can really impede our relationship with Almighty God. You know, I, I love the word picture that Jesus gives to the church at Laodicea in the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It's actually written to a church that it's lost sight of what it truly meant to be a follower of Christ. And these were his words. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Really, you know, repentance is just a change of mind and coming into an agreement with God. Here I am. This is a metaphor. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's a very powerful picture. And, you know, some have captured this. There's a very famous painting. It's hanging in St. Paul's Cathedral. It's a picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. It's called the light of the world. You could look it up on your Internet, and you'll see that picture. And you'll notice in the picture there's no doorknob because the reality is you have to open the door from the inside. And what the picture is really depicting is really being expressed in this text. And it's really saying simply this, that God is knocking on all of our hearts' door. And that when you and I hear his voice, we can open our lives to him and invite him. And the scripture teaches that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. What an amazing thing that is, that God would take us just as we are, no matter what we've done, and forgive us and allow us to enter into this amazing relationship that transforms our lives. And so my prayer this Christmas Eve for you is that as you've heard these words and listened to these songs, that God's Spirit has touched your heart and that these words will become real to you and they will become life-transforming. So I want to thank you for being here tonight. We're going to shift a little bit here. We've passed out those little uh, candles. So now's the